us out to breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's Weird Brunch Well, goddamn. Oh, goddamn. What's that song? That was, do you remember that song? In, in the background, it was like a, go, a guy saying like, Oh, goddamn. Yeah. Over and over, just like that. And I can't remember anything else about the song except for that. Oh, God. It's driving me crazy. I can't think of the song at all. Yeah, I just blacked out. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe y'all will both get some sleep if I keep singing it and you both black out. No, sleep. That's what this podcast is for. Making sure people get their sleep. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Well, (laughs) you know, blackout, sleep, not really the same thing, but we're like a meditative uh, ASMR. Mm. Yes. I will start tagging this ASMR and see how many complaints we get. Oh my God, please do. I'll do a lot of this. I fucking hate that. There's better ASMR out there. Like, I love the videos of the like pieces of soap and they like cut through the soap and it's like a waterfall of hard soap sound. Anyways, that's the one I like for asmr there's a video of italian gentlemen making soap the old-fashioned way in a warehouse and they cover the floor with soap stuff and then they let it harden and then they cut it with strings and they don't wear shirts and it's i don't know if it counts as asmr but it's something it's it sounds it's like, like 45 minutes long yeah it is it's soap porn it does sound like porn and then you, at the very end, a little old man in a tank top hand wraps every bar of soap, like as fast as anybody's ever done anything in a, in the world. It's the most fascinating thing. He's just like, blah, blah, blah. and then it's, it's like his fingers are spiders and they just like take bars of soap and then eat them up in a wrapper perfectly every time. And then he stacks Dang. them in a little chimney. It's cool. I got to find uh, that one. I want to buy that soap. I bet it's mm. quality. I don't know. I mean, a lot of sweaty, hairy Italian men are walking on the soap, which seems to me like but it's so defeat the soap purpose. I don't know. Does Wait, it? They walk on it. Yeah, they it's cover just on the, the floor. fucking ground. Yeah, and then they walk on it in order to cut it into little like slices. It's really Dang. weird. That sounds awesome. I'm into it. Yeah, I have feelings. <laughs> into it feelings? Oh no, mm, I don't know. My mic just like dropped down. I need to tighten this bitch. Drop the mic. Mm-hmm. There's a whole genre of videos where you can just watch people restore old pieces of art. Oh, and, I like, follow that. Yeah, painstaking with a Q-tip. Yes, but it's so satisfying when they're like doing mm. the face and it's like, oh, this person clearly isn't like a weird I don't know how to just it's such a weird color that goes over and mm, love it yeah the resin or something yeah Yeah. resin Karina it is shocking that you don't smoke weed with what you just brought to the table (laughs) I don't need to smoke weed I don't need to smoke weed she's just high on life bro I'm just naturally zoned out most of the time I mean that's a good way to be right now 
There she is looking at her hands. I feel, yeah, it's been rough. I feel like these past two weeks for me have been real hard quarantine style. Just it's getting to me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to driving to Colorado. Another like drive to another state method of solving my problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. First New Mexico, now Colorado. Mm -hmm. At least they're cool. I'm going to run out of places and end up in Oklahoma one of these days. No, 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 no. No (laughs) No one has to do that. Let's don't say Oklahoma, please. No matter how bad it is, it won't be that bad. (laughs) Why? Oklahoma's okay. (laughs) 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 Oh, no, my mic's (laughs) cutting out. (laughs) Oh, God, I got to leave. Bye. You're both going into tunnels. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to sing... Oklahoma music mm. from the musicals. O- musical Oklahoma. Speaking of states where white trash people are from, what's the story with Brittany? <laughs> Lisa, go for it. I trust you. I don't know that you should, but I did spend some time looking up her relationship with her previous manager, Sean Lefty, and that is just a battle of who is bad. Because it's like her family's <laughs> like, you need to fuck off. You made her crazy. And then he's like, I didn't do shit. Y'all made her crazy. And he's like, uh, she shouldn't be in that conservatorship. And she's like, I need another restraining order on you. So that shit's nuts. Mm. If he ends up being a good guy, that'd be crazy because he was also managing Amanda Bynes. Anyway. (gasps) Not a good track record there. Mm -hmm. No, he's not doing very good. He also called her parents handlers, which is a a little bit triggering uh, for Monarch and MK Ultra stuff. And Ellen. Yes, 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 yes. Well, okay, yeah. So the journey started... (laughs) Okay, I was going to, and I still may at some point, bring all of my Ellen truths, truths, truths um, Mm. to the table tonight. But I, I, it was just, it was too much. And then I also, I could not find uh, a lot of the stuff that I had been able to find four years ago. Don't, Mm. who knows why? Who knows why? So I... I kind of chilled out on that, but I, it was a lot of me looking up the key terms Ellen DeGeneres and Monarch Handler and MK Ultra Handler on my work computer. So, you know. Is there not like a dedicated subreddit for this specific conspiracy? I feel like there could be, considering the amount of like Ellen DeGeneres, whatever. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't find one. I did find one on Project Monarch and MK Ultra, but there was not any. Well, the only thing I found was um, some handy uh, Sandy Hook truthers being like, "Oh, these kids that were at Sandy Hook are now on Ellen because it's been years. Um, look at how she." Uh, is like using mind control to make them think they were actually there. And I was like, well, I'm not bringing that anywhere. Yeah. That's, I don't know about that. Yeah. Just so many conspiracy things on Reddit are just fucking QAnon horse shit. Like get fucked. 
you know, the, the liberal side of things has been very aware of these conspiracies for years and years and years and years. And all of a sudden, the conservatives want to come in and fucking take it away from us. And it's rude. <laughs> I'm fucking, oh. fucking mad about it. You can't just go and Google fucking conspiracy theories because it's all like not great uh, source material. Yeah. And it, it's all fucking QAnon hmm. shit. Hmm. I like how I like your whole like I was into conspiracy theories before they signed to a major label man I mean that's true though that's true I sent Lisa this thing I saw on Instagram that was a conspiracy theory that Mars used to be Earth and Adam and Eve were or humans destroyed Mars's atmosphere and the planet itself and Adam and Eve were shot to Mars or to Earth from Mars as the like last survivors of the human race, and that's how Earth became populated with humans. And I don't know. It's and that's funny. why there's water on Mars. So that is why there's water on Mars. That's where it started. Oh yeah, because I forgot that human beings make water. That's true. Being well, they, made of so much water, you gotta just leave yeah. it behind, you know. We just pee and then the planet has oceans. You're welcome, planet, for my You're piss. Welcome. Every time you flush, <laughs> an ocean gets its wing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's an ocean between my legs. Oh, okay. okay. Oh. What's up? <laughs> Somebody's yeah. excited to tell stories. Oh, I am. Oh. Especially with my story, but. Speaking of oceans, welcome to Weird Brunch. Yo. Yo. Wait, I forgot. Okay. (gasps) There. So she made this post. It was a video. And she's like, a lot of my friends have been asking me questions in the comments. So I'm here to answer all of your questions. And it's like, bitch, no, you're not. I know what you're doing. It's a Mustang. Yeah. Sorry. I love Brit. I'm not making fun of her. No, no, that's not her voice. Yeah, she she was like, my favorite movie is uh, Disney movie is Frozen um, because of the uh, the, you know, the sister's relationship. And the one is like up in that tower. She's like, and the older sister is like, I just can't deal with this. And she goes up into her tower and then she goes on to some other thing. And it's like. Britney's, she wants to get away so bad. Yeah, like that was her opener. We should hold a candlelight vigil outside of her compound, just singing, do you want to build a snowman? And just sitting there. And she's like, let it go. She doesn't want that shit, man. She doesn't Let me go. Let me go. Let Britney go. Let her go. Modern art. Bad, right? Terrible. Who likes that shit? Bad people. Yeah, I'll go fucking paint a. I mean, half of the art in this house is just paint thrown on something, you know? It's trash. <laughs> it's fucking trash. Um, but let's talk about it. Okay. How did how did it get so popular? <laughs> uh, abstract expressionism started in the late forties. Um, it's identified as uh, lots of variety of style, um, but. It often depicts forms unrealistically and forms like not of the visible world. It emphasizes free, spontaneous, and personal emotional expression and exercise freedom of technique. Think Jackson Pollock. Okay. 
So most of these artists were ex-commies and drunks. (laughs) One of the notable things about the abstract expressionism is how fast it rose to international prominence by the 1950s. So again, it started emerging in the late 40s. By the 1950s, New York had replaced Paris as the place where cool art shit was going down. This aligns directly with the start of the Cold War. Uh, The United States was, you know, it was just a keeping up with the Joneses horse shit, as we all know. Mm -hmm. So the U.S. is like, uh, we're an island of freedom and progressive ideas, okay? Mm -hmm. That's how they wanted to be seen versus, you know, Soviet Union where it's like, you know. America today. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, like you don't have any ideas unless it's how to get that fucking farm to grow things faster. Perfect summary. Yes. And also, how to, like make monkey people. Let's not forget the monkey. Whoa. People. <laughs> no, remember I, they like tried to put monkeys in people. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, I remember. So, and and also as a note, Whitney, you said it's just like the U.S. today, but it was also like the U.S. then um, because. Right after World War II, everyone's like, this is what you wear. This is what bathroom you use, depending on what color skin you have. Like, it's very Mm -hmm. much the same. So uh, in 1947, the State Department organized and paid for a touring international exhibit of, quote, advancing American art. So the Soviets had called America a cultural desert. Rude. (laughs) Yeah. And the State Department was like, oh, yeah. Look at this shitty art that we're going to say is good. That's how open-minded we are. And Americans were pissed the fuck off about this tour. Uh, A congressman said, quote, I am just a dumb American who pays taxes for this kind of trash. (laughs) Uh, President Truman was pissed off. The tour was canceled. Uh, So now... The government's embarrassed, uh, or the State Department, you know, the people that were behind this are now embarrassed because it's discrediting the idea that America was the progressive island of freedom that it was. So this is when we bring in the CIA, the baby CIA, the CIA. They'll fix it. Yeah, well, they fix everything. You didn't, yeah. you didn't know that? <laughs> Just add CIA and that's yeah. fine. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the CIA was founded in 1947 uh, as these tensions with Russia began and all these fucking libtards are like communism's tight, (laughs) especially the ones in Hollywood, as we know, Mm -hmm. McCarthyism. And then the CIA is made up of mostly Harvard and Yale grads who are also pretty fucking liberal. They're like, we collect art. Um, I've written three novels this summer. Uh, Just real bougie motherfuckers. And these dudes are like, hey, hey, can we chill on the hate on this art, y'all? We got an idea. So they knew that there was no way Soviets would have ever embraced this, like, throw a paint can at a wall and call it art situation. They were more into social realism and also, you know, building their socialist empire under Stalin. America could use this art as the ultimate proof that America rocks and is down with freedom of expression. Sorry. (laughs) 
down with expression <laughs> instead of the thickness. That's cool. Oh, I got it. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> and then that would obviously make Soviets the bad guys, just like all of our movies have. Um, because freedom <laughs> is not allowed there. And in case you're sitting there going, all right, Friedrich. Former case officer Donald Jameson confirmed abstract expressionism was seen as an opportunity and a weapon in the Cold War. This is a quote from him in an interview. Regarding abstract expressionism, I'd love to say that the CIA invented it just to see what happens in New York and downtown Soho tomorrow. He's a very funny guy. He's a very funny man. Uh, he, you know, part-time comic. <laughs> Full-time lover. <laughs> uh, I've not seen a photo of him. He could be very attractive. But just based on that as a joke, I, I'm repulsed. Yes, yeah. uh, he said, but I think what we did was really recognize the difference. Uh, it was recognized that abstract expressionism was the kind of art that made social realism look even more stylized and more rigid and confined than it actually was. And that relationship was exploited in some of the exhibitions, most of them. In a way, our understanding was helped because Moscow in those days was very vicious in its denunciation of any kind of nonconformity. Conform- God damn it. Non- you just want to say titty. <laughs> Conformity. Nonconformity. God there damn you go. it. To its own very rigid p- patterns. And so one could quite adequately and accurately reason that anything they criticized was worth support one way or another. Matters of this sort could only have been done at two or three removes so that there were, wouldn't be any question of having to clear Jackson Pollock, for example, or do anything that would involve these people in the organization, these people being the artists. And it couldn't have been any closer because most of them were people who had very little respect for the government in particular, and certainly none for the CIA. If you had to use people who consider themselves one way or another to be closer to Moscow than to Washington, well, so much the better. So this is kind of referred to that last part. This is referred to as the long leash policy. So the artists weren't aware of the backing they were receiving. So that's why it's called long leash. You don't even know you're attached to it. You're complicit oh. though, motherfuckers. Nothing's free. Mm-mm. Not even freedom. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. in 1950, the Congress for Cultural Freedom is created. Uh, it's a group of intellectuals, writers, historians, poets, and artists. And uh, this was, of course, unknowingly set up with CIA funds to promote its covert interest in abstract expressionism. This was also part of a move to have, what is it, non-communist left, non-communist left. So it's trying to be like, hey, I know y'all are like free thinkers and shit, but not communism right um (laughs) freely freely think like this yeah yeah we got a great idea for you to do it this way it's the fucking american way (laughs) so the congress for cultural freedom was the official sponsor of touring exhibitions they had magazines uh and they would provide platforms for critics that were favorable to the these paintings and no one 
including the artists, would ever know that it was all the CIA. Uh, oh. At its height, it had offices in 35 countries and published more than two dozen magazines. Wow. Yeah. Which at that time was like they owned over half the internet. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because abstract expressionism was, you know, as they're doing these tours, it's really expensive to move around uh, and exhibit. So millionaires and museums were called into play. Here's where we get a little bit deeper, motherfuckers. This included Nelson Rockefeller. Hello. Oh. Uh, His mother was a co-founded the MoMA and he... He called it fucking Mummy's Museum. Fuck out of here with that. I hate it. I hate it so much. Adorable Mummy's Museum. That's like the most inbred shit. So (laughs) uh, Mummy's Museum was contracted to the Congress for Cultural Freedom to organize and curate most of its important art shows, which if you have been to the MoMA... Not much has changed. That said, Nelson Rockefeller was not the only connection to the MoMA. Another man named Tom Braden was the executive secretary of the museum in 1949. A year later, he became the first chief of the CIA's International Organizations Division. I guess you just throw vague words out there. (laughs) Fuck it. Who cares? (laughs) So Tom Braden, when he describes the IOD, he said, we wanted to unite all the people who were writers, musicians, who were artists. By the way, IOD and Congress for Cultural Freedom are basically, they're very, very similar, but they are different. Because what I'm about to say, it all sounds the same. But uh, (laughs) we wanted to unite all the people who were writers, who were musicians, who were artists to demonstrate that the West and the United States was devoted to freedom of expression and to intellectual achievement without any rigid barriers as to what you must write, what you must say, and what you must do, and what you must paint, which was what was going on in the Soviet Union. I think it was the most important division in the agency, and I think it played an enormous role in the Cold War. They had to act secretly. He said it was very difficult to get Congress to go along with some of the things we wanted to do. Send art abroad, send symphonies abroad, publish magazines abroad. That's one of the reasons it had to be done so covertly. It had to be a secret in order to encourage openness. We had to be secret. We get it, dude. It takes a, this, I love this. He then said, it takes a pope or somebody with a lot of money to recognize art and to support it. And after many centuries, people say, oh, look, the Sistine Chapel, the most beautiful creation on earth. It's a problem that civilization has faced ever since the first artist and the first millionaire or pope who supported him. And yet, if it hadn't (laughs) been for the multimillionaires or the popes, we wouldn't have had the art. I fucking love this guy. <laughs> I fucking love this guy. Okay. Um, so the IOD also, like, they subsidized uh, the animated version of Animal Farm. We get it. Very, very covert there. Subtle, yeah. <laughs> uh, they sponsored American jazz artists, opera recitals, specifically the Boston Symphonies, Symphony Orchestra's touring, and 
Oh, they also had agents in the film industry, publishing houses, and travel writers. I love how the only way we can get arts funding in America is if it literally fights commies. Mm -hmm. Propaganda, propaganda. (laughs) The theme song. Yeah, was that song funded by the CIA? Uh, I I can't speak on that. Because it was spooky. (laughs) Uh, In 1958, the IOD puts on the New American Painting Exhibition. This toured like almost all of the major European cosmopolitan cities outside of Russia. And it was this basically fully secured the abstract expressionism as the shit. Uh, So they were taking around pieces from Pollock. De Kooning, Motherwell, Rothko, among others. Have y'all ever been to the Rothko Chapel in Houston? Mm-hmm. I love it. No. It's amazing. I can't tell if you're sarcastic right now, Karina. No, I do. I genuinely it's a it's a very amazing experience. Yeah, it's awesome. It's I I love it. Anyway, apparently he's founded on lies. So <laughs> the tour I mean- just because you get like a shady start, does I mean you know someone's got to help you get up there, and if it's yeah, the, the government, of- like mm-hmm. who's to say that's so much worse than a shady agent or the Pope or the Pope? <laughs> does anything come to mind immediately about a shady start and then being completely fine? Britney Spears. Yep. Completely fine. Completely you are completely fine. Totally Just okay. So fine. So fine. Um, Spiritual. Wear yellow. <laughs> oh, um, blink twice. <laughs> so she doesn't blink a lot. I'm going to be honest mm, with y'all. She doesn't. Oh, shame. So the New American Painting Exhibition stops in Paris, and next stop was the Tate Gallery in London. They could not afford it. So the Tate Gallery, like one of the, if not the biggest like galleries in London, is like, "Mm, we can't. So an American millionaire and art lover, Julius Fleischmann. Oh. Like the, isn't that like a wasp? Butter? I don't know. (laughs) Wait, Karina, what is it? Uh, I was thinking of the cartoons, like the early mm. like uh, Popeyes or something. I don't remember which one. I don't know. Now I want Popeyes chicken, though. Mm. This is a problem. Fleischmann's yeast. Oh, oh yeast. Of course, classic. the yeast Fleischmann's. Yeah. Yeah. So this yeasty motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> uh, he steps in with the cash and he's like, here you go, London. Y'all lost in the 1700s. I'll, I'll help you out. So then the show's brought to London. So the money that Fleischman provided, it came from the Farfield Foundation, which he was the president of. But uh, that foundation was a secret conduit for CIA funds. So it oh. actually, the CIA moved it with, um, you know, taxpayers' money. Worst mm. things have been done with taxpayer money. That's yeah. for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. So Tom Braden, our boy, 
he described how these kinds of conduits were set up. He said, we would go to somebody in New York who was well-known rich person. We would say, Hey, we want to set up a foundation. We would tell him what we were trying to do and pledge him to secrecy. And he would say, of course I'll do it. And then you would publish a letterhead and his name would be on it. And there would be a foundation. It was pretty simple. Oh, yeah. You know, all these rich guys were just jerking it to be part of like the spy corps, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if somebody showed up at my door tomorrow and was like, hey, you want your name on a foundation? We won't tell anybody we're doing it. I'd be like, yeah, yesterday. Sign me up. Mm -hmm. Fuck it. Fuck it. So he was also uh, on the board. Julius. Fleischman was a particular good get for that because he also sat on the board of the International Program of the Museum of Modern Art in New York. So as we can see, the MoMA is weirdly like the, the what is it? This Not the center point. The, the, ep the epicenter? Epicenter, thank you. Ow. So the MoMA is like the epicenter of the CIA saying, sure, that's art. Um so a lot of a lot of backlash has come out of this. Um, you know, it was like a joke for a while because people were like, "Oh yeah, that, that fucking government art over there, get out of here." Uh, so it was like an inside joke within the art community. But then um, in like the seventies, the New York Times started to be like, "Hey guys, I think this is real." And then um, the the main article that I pulled this from is from nineteen ninety five. So I guess this has been known for quite some time. And uh, a lot of the art community is, you know, often people will say, like, would it still have been as popular as it is today? And it's like, yeah, probably. But, like, maybe not as quickly. And it may not have, like, as solid a, a grip in the art community. But this one guy made a, made the point of, like, did the CIA help them? Not so much, uh, just because their thing was kind of like, yeah, we're going to take this thing that we think looks like trash mm -hmm. and then use it to our advantage, but also make fun of it behind its back. So some of the, you know, a lot of the art community is kind of like, eh, go fuck yourself. That was a really shitty thing to do. Um, but in conclusion, you're all sheep. What? Yeah. If you like modern art, you're feeding into the system, man. What? But, 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 but it's really pretty. But like what you like. I fucking love it. I, I love modern art. Most of it. Some of it's too much. Yeah. I do like the ones that you listed. Like the mid-century abstract expressionist stuff is, is pretty powerful when you see it live. Oh, yeah. It's it's awesome. Yeah. But then pop art came out shortly after and that kind of like shut them down. And then, you know, they're all yeah. dying from drinking. Man, fuck mm. pop art. I mean, I get it, but I don't care. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I don't know enough about any type of art to make any actual judgment on anything. Let's go <laughs> to a museum. Virtually virtual tour of museums Ooh. if we ever get through this alive houston has a ton of like some of the best mm -hmm. examples of all this stuff in its various museums in the museum district 
Which leads me to my story. Let's do it. Let's talk about a guy named David. David. A Dickies, I think. Atticies? How's it spelled? Well, it's spelled A and then Dick mm-hmm. and then ES. So, like, uh, a Dick is. Uh, a, a Dick is. A Dickus. Works. We'll say Atticies because that's like the least. He. It just makes him sound the best. I don't know. Attics? Attics. Yeah, let's call it Attics. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. David Attics lives in Houston. He has a problem. And that problem is he cannot stop sculpting presidential heads. I knew it was that David Attix. You know David Attix? I love it. Yes. Okay. So right now in Croker, Virginia, which is, you know, within spitting distance of Williamsburg, colonial Williamsburg, there is a farm with 43 massive 20-foot-tall president heads sitting around just a-crumbling in the sun. Oh, they're crumbling. Wait, how long have they been there? They have been there for about 16 years. Oh, no, wait, wait, 10 years. They've been in this farm for 10 years. They've been built since 2004. Okay. So what happened was David Attucks... And uh, a local landowner named Everett Newman uh, said, you know what Colonial Williamsburg needs is an outdoor museum with all the presidents and all the presidents will be there in giant head form. And David Attucks is like, guess what? I love making giant statues. And it's true. He made, if you go to Houston, he made the We Heart Houston statue. Mm. He's sort of famous for this giant quartet of Beatles statues. Mm -hmm. But his real claim to fame is that there is a 687-foot-tall statue of Sam Houston staring down at I-45. It is the tallest statue of an American anywhere and the tallest standing sculpture in the United States of a real person. In other words, other than the Statue of Liberty, this is the biggest fucking dude in America. It's Sam Houston. I've never seen it. Oh my god. It's like it's in Huntsville and it's okay. It's almost so impressive. Is it on bright white? Isn't isn't is that where Sam Houston University is? Is that where it lives? See. Okay. Yep. He uh he kind of he's from Huntsville and he graduated from Sam Houston State Teachers College, which is now Sam Houston State University. So he kind of like Gave it, well, he, I think he was commissioned. Anyway, uh, Addicts, by the way, right now is still alive, but he is 90 fucking three and he is still sculpting president heads. So in 2004, they make this museum, this outdoor museum. He sculpts all 43 at the time presidents from Washington to uh, W. Bush. And they set him out there in the fields and fucking nobody came it just was like tucked away and nobody kind of knew it was there the park cost 10 million dollars to create and just they had to go out of business in 2010 just six years later it was literally hidden behind a motel so nobody ever saw it (laughs) 
That's where he keeps a lot of his stuff is hidden behind buildings. It's just bad, yeah. you know, bad planning. Come on. Yeah, it is. It is it is dumb. It was really dumb. So like in 2010, the bankruptcy court comes in. It's like, we got to auction off this land. Uh, your assets, they look like they're big giant heads. Uh, you got to bust those <laughs> and just destroy them. And uh, this farmer named Howard Hankins was the one who helped kind of build the park in the first place. Like he came out with his tractor and helped, you know, make room for the heads. And he was like, you know, I just don't feel patriotic about dynamiting all these president heads. You know what? I'll take him to my 400 acre farm. Thank you. Croker, Virginia. But can you imagine how satisfying that would have been? I know. Well, Mm -hmm. here's the thing. This is where this story gets satisfying. So these are 18 to 20 feet tall. They each weigh 11, between 11 and 20,000 pounds, depending on the president and how big their cheeks are. Garfield. He had to move them 10 miles. How did he do it? So it took a week. It cost $50,000 just to get the moving done. They each one had to be lifted off their base, which cracked them at the neck. Oh. And then, like, how do you attach the crane? Well, they tried different things before they got it right, which is why some of the sculptures have giant holes in the back of their head, including <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Oh. Of they tried course. pinching them by the ears. Uh, around the neck. Anyway, every single one of the presidents has some sort of giant hole in their head from the moving. Sorry, Mr. President. Then they got him out to the farm, and it turns out these were built not exactly with longevity in mind. David Attucks was good at making big things, but he like had to crank out 43 of these. So mm-hmm. they're kind of, they're, they bought out weepy tears running down their eyes from like bird shit and rain and whatever. Uh, Ronald Reagan got hit by lightning. <laughs> Ronald, of course. God tried to fucking strike him down even as a statue. So he's got a big old Harry Potter scar, which is cool. Uh, and they're all just kind of clumped together in three lines, just like willy-nilly, except for George Washington. Here they put like on a special spot to look at everybody else. And they're just sort of peeling away. So he can't open the farm to visitors because he doesn't have a tourist attraction license, which apparently is a thing in Virginia. So anybody who tries to visit, he has to turn them away, but people sneak in and take pictures of it. And it's really fucking weird looking. It looks like Stonehenge, but like instead of stone, it's like Jimmy Carter, you know, it's really weird. <laughs> Pretty wild looking man. They should have tourists stop like, uh, certifications for like everybody should have to apply to that shit. Cause some of the, shit that is in mm-hmm. yeah so you're like oh man i wish i could go to virginia and see these heads but i can't don't worry there's also 43 giant president heads in south dakota made what? by david attucks because after that whole thing didn't work later uh he went to south dakota near mount rushmore and said hey they like giant statues here in south dakota i'm gonna make more of them and they set them all out just like the dinosaur park outside of austin like in a big pathway yeah and they had this park where uh you know because it was catering to the kind of uh tourist who wants to go see all the presidents 
uh, they had like little motorized scooters and, um, and you could buy like your 18 ounce big gulp and just like sip on soda while buzzing around in all the statues. Perfect. Yep. Uh, they were arranged in chronological order. You kind of like went up a hill as you go and there was wild turkeys in them and stuff like that. And there were little cutesy things like uh, the path turns around near William McKinley and it's called the turn of the century, that kind of shit. Ooh. There was a special seating area uh, next to uh, Bill Clinton, kind of across from his face, that was called Monica Rock. <laughs> um, Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There was a picnic area behind Nixon's head that was called the Watergate picnic area. So, you know, okay. They, they had their fun. Call it, uh, oh, Nixon. Is there a grassy knoll somewhere? I assume. <laughs> I right? did not mention that. There's gotta but be. I'm sure there's got to be. They died in 2007. Not enough people, or 2010 also. Not enough people went to that. Uh, they thought about moving it, but now it's sitting there and also crumbling. So from 2004 to 2010, there were two chances to see a bunch of president heads. Now there are none because it's closed off and you can't see it uh, near Deadwood. But wait, don't worry. Is there a third set? Yes. Oh, no. As of 2014, he's been just cranking out more, hoping that some other park will open. And they're at his studio in Houston. And his studio in Houston has become its own roadside attraction because he's making giant statues. It's kind of hard to hide them. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's uh, is it in Houston or is it in Huntsville? I, it might be it's, in Huntsville. I think it's, well, when I was there, it's in Houston behind okay. a Target next to yeah. Washington Avenue. That's what they said. Yeah, and you can just look through the fence and see whatever he's making. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's giant president heads. There's a big colored stat, like painted statue of Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. that looks like a Hummel, but like an enormous Hummel. It's really <laughs> weird. Uh, there's just a neck of an unknown president that he hasn't put the head on yet that you can like take your picture in if you want to have a tiny head inside a big suit. And the presidents are all just kind of sitting around, but he finally did get around to making an Obama. So that's cool. Uh, there is no Trump. Hopefully there never will be. Hopefully there never will be. He's very old. There's a good chance there won't. So there you go. If you are craving some giant president head action while you're going to teach yourself about CIA funded spook art, you can go look at the actual presidents who were blissfully unaware of the anti-communist activity that uh, funded all the other real art in Houston and just stare at their heads as they gaze off into the smoggy, foggy Houston sky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how, like, I can't make any type of giant sculpture. Like, how do you do it a hundred and what is that? 131 times? Very good. Yeah. I think you're right. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think you did. Oh my God. That's impressive. Are the are the ones that are like I think there's four of them all together on forty five like right where all the uh, highways like come together in Houston there's four of them like right along one of the highways. Is that the Beatles? I no. think that's the Beatles. No, is this four of the presidents? Mm-hmm. It was okay. Apparently, it's changing all the time. Like as he makes new stuff, he moves other things away and. 
I mean, that those things, they need to put them out in some like fucking park that you can drive through. Now is the perfect time to own a bunch of giant president heads because people can only drive through and walk through places. Exactly. You can't do shit. So. Well, his goal with this set of 44 is to move them to uh, a veterans park in, in Huntsville. So they, they're know, all set up across the street from the Huntsville prison. And it's just a bunch of fucking presidents staring at the prisoner. That's, That's so great. Funny. If you try to escape, you got to face down all the presidents and they're all like, they have lasers in their mm-hmm. eyes and shit. Yeah. Pew. Truman's <laughs> looking at me. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my guess is that this woman I'm about to talk to probably has met a president or two in her life, but she will never, never divulge it. Her name came up in, I think, a podcast I was listening to or some old show I was watching where someone was like, oh, she's just like Heidi Fleiss. And I was like, whoa, Heidi Fleiss. I haven't heard that fucking name in forever. What did she even do I remember there being scandal around her in a Monica Lewinsky style back when I was a kid, but not really getting it. So let's talk about Heidi Lynn Fleiss. And she spells Lynn L-Y-N-N-E, which is how my middle name Lynn is spelled. So, whoa, coincidence? Probably not. Probably. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, So Heidi Fleiss is born in 1965. Uh, Her parents are pretty well off. Her dad is a pediatrician and she grows up in California and like has this great upbringing. She's one of, I think, six children and she's like number three. So she's right in the middle. Grossly middle. Grossly middle. So... You know, she's cute and spunky, fucking whatever. She's a kid. She grows up. She's 18. She's like, you know what? Oh, actually, she's 16. And she's like, I'm kind of sick of school. I'm going to drop out. I'm going to get my equivalency. And I am going to L.A. So she's in L.A. She loves to party. She loves being around famous people. And ages 18 to 19, she's like, okay, cool. I can make this like working as a waitress at this upscale spot and like mixing and mingling with all the fancy people. And that's where she meets this guy named Bernie Kornfeld, who Ah. sounds just as old as his name. And he is. He is also like super fucking rich, like crazy rich. He was a mutual funds invest, uh, an international financier who sold investments in U.S. mutual funds. All that goes straight over my head. I wish I knew what the fuck that meant. But he makes millions and his net worth was over $100 million. He's doing real well. He had this amazing mansion in Beverly Hills, and uh, it was used in the movie A Star is Born, and it's the house that Chris Christopherson 
his like character lives in in the 1976 version of A Star Is Born, starring him and Barbara Streisand. But uh, so he meets Heidi Fleiss. She's 19. She's hot. And he's like, cool, like, I like you. And she's like, cool, I like you too. And they actually get along really well. And he starts taking her everywhere with him. She, like, moves in. They're having a great time. But it turns out that Bernie, despite being, like, a old dude, uh, is still very much uh, not into monogamy. And after, like, four years, they you know, split up and she's like used to this kind of jet set lifestyle and having all this money and stuff around. And so in 1988, she's like, I'm going to try my go at real estate. That doesn't fucking work. She does it for like six months and then gets real into drugs and partying because it's 1988 and it's L.A. So Real estate. That's really why you get into being a real estate agent is for the it, drugs for and the, the drug. partying. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. Uh, so as she's partying so much, she meets a guy named Ivan Naj. Uh, it's spelled Nagy, N-A-G-Y. But he's kind of like this B-movie director. He directed a bunch of episodes of the TV show Chips and Starsky and Hutch. If you saw a picture of this guy, I think you would recognize him. And I I don't know if it's just because of like news coverage or whatever, but he looked very familiar to me when I looked him up. So she's 22 now. She's dating Ivan and they're going drugs, 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 fucking partying even more and more and Ivan is starting to get abusive. He denies that that ever happened, but she like gets a restraining order against him and then drops him, drops it. And like, they're doing all these drugs and she's kind of going downhill. They're like breaking up, getting back together, doing that whole bullshit. And that's when she gets introduced to a woman named Madam Alex. Uh, She is a Christian name. Yes, her legal name, Madam Alex. She's <laughs> well. She was born Mademoiselle Alex. Mm. But, you know, she, she grew up. There you go. She's a longtime Beverly Hills Madam who dealt exclusively with wealthy clientele. And Heidi starts working for Alex as a prostitute. Initially, she's like, you know, I need drugs and I need money to party. And cool, I'll be a prostitute. I don't care. And how old was she? She was 22. And Ale- Madam Alex oh, is like... Refreshing. You know, yeah, right? she's not underage. Uh, Madam Alex is like... By the way, I would like to announce right now that I only exclusively work with wealthy clientele. Dang. Just, just putting that out there so mm-hmm. that everybody knows. Yeah. So if you know any wealthy people, send them to Karina directly. I don't work... I don't... Yeah, I don't want to get No pores. Yeah, just, just wealthy. Yes. Thank you. So Madam Alex is when she takes on a new girl, she like does the whole fucking pretty woman thing. Like they get a makeover, they get new hair, she buys them nice clothes. They like get fixed up. So they're the attractive high end type of sex worker that her rich clients are looking for. Heidi's like tight. I'm all in for this. And everything's going pretty well 
Heidi's making a lot of money, but she is very aware of the fact that Madam Alex gets 40 to 50% off of whatever money they're getting from, you know, from their Johns. She's taking her cut. So Madam Mm. Alex is making a fuck ton of money because she has a bunch of girls and like uh yeah, but keep in mind pimping ain't easy you know i mean so. yeah, it's hard out there for a pimp mm-hmm. but support women madam well i mean she's not <laughs> i would i would probably rather work for her than like an actual pimp that's i mean not always true, right right like you get a always. makeover and you get your money madam alex has been running her business for over 20 years and she's sort of teaching Heidi the ropes. She has been getting older, but you know, she's not ready to retire from basically just being the middleman between her girls and her clients. But in 1989, Alex gets arrested and finally caught. And Heidi sees this as her fuck yeah, like this is my opportunity. I'm going to move in and I'm going to take over Alex's business. And Alex had been, she had this little black book basically that had all of her clients in it. And supposedly Heidi got a hold of that book. Alex says that she stole it. Heidi says like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I've never even seen a little black book. But a lot of her clients ended up getting hit up by some new girl named Heidi pretty much right after Alex went to jail. So Hmm. it's over for you hoes. Yeah. What a bummer. So Heidi is like taking the bull by the horns and she wants to grow this business because Alex, while she did have like a good process her women are getting older like alex was pretty old and the it's i don't know i guess it's harder for an older woman to recruit a younger sex worker than it is for someone who's like their peer so heidi's okay starts, okay okay what tell that to Ghislaine. Ghislaine. I call her Ghislaine. Ghislaine, you're what right. She, did. she is. She's a Ghislaine. She knows what she did. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so Heidi is starting. She would go to restaurants. She's like spending tons of money. She's going to restaurants. She's like seeing hot waitresses, giving them her card and being like, hey, you're beautiful. If you ever want to make extra money or if you ever need more money than what you're making, give me a call. And, you know, some people bit and some people didn't. But the ones who did call, Heidi would give them the lowdown, like, this is what I do. I set up dates for you. You get this much. I get this much. It's always a wealthy clientele. If you Mm -hmm. hear something in advance that you don't want to do, if they have some weird fucking kink request or something that you're not comfortable with, you don't have to fucking do it. And so really, it's not the worst gig for a girl trying to make money to have. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him for money. For $10,000 for him to jack off in between my feet. Man, that's a good rate. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. From what I hear, it's great. (laughs) Uh, So she builds up a group of 
around 100 women who are working for her regularly. And she's making money like fucking hand over fist. She said it took four months for her to make her first million dollars off of being a madam. And her client base is also growing because, well, the only way anybody can get in contact with her or get, you know, in touch with any of the girls is they have to go, well, obviously through her, but that person has to be referenced to her by a client that she already knows. So you're not going to get to randomly approach Heidi Fleiss for a hookup. You have to be referred. Someone has to be like, hey, Heidi, what's up? It's me, Whitney. Here's my friend, Lisa. She's really into, uh, I don't know, that foot stuff I just said. Can you hook her up? <laughs> that foot stuff. Yeah. It's going to go belly button stuff. Belly but... button stuff. Ooh. Mm, exotic. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's how she's doing her business. And business is a booming, like I said. All the girls are pretty happy with the situation also. Like I said, it's kind of like up to their discretion whether they want to accept a job or not. A lot of it was done via beeper, which I appreciated because (laughs) don't you love the early 90s? This is the early 90s by now. She is still, unfortunately, partying a lot. Like... Drugs, drugs, drugs all the time, more partying. Now she has her own money. She has her own place. And she starts having like big parties at her house and having lots of the girls there. And like guys obviously are there. And those parties are making her a lot of money. But it's also not as subtle as the stuff that Madam Alex had been doing. She also is so like fucking like, yeah, I'm awesome at this. She's just like blabbing, like telling lots of people who like, I'm the biggest madam in the city, blah, blah, blah. And like shit like that. Yeah. I feel like that would be me in a heartbeat. I'd be like, me too. Hey, don't tell anybody, but, and then just say that to everybody. And then handing your card out. Here you go. Here you go. Uh, so one night she gets kind of drugged up and wild, takes one of her credit cards of her clients and runs up a shit ton of money on it. The client goes and like turns her in and is like, this woman stole my credit card. He doesn't say like, oh, she's a, you know, like a madam or she had it because I was with a prostitute of hers, that type of deal. But she does get arrested for credit card fraud And the charges end up getting dropped, but that charge puts her on police radar for the first time. Mm. Also around this time, Madam Alex is fucking out and she is not happy that Heidi took her little black book and is now running the shit in town. And Madam Alex being around for so long has a bunch of friends in the police biz like a madam does. Uh, it's funny because if you take like the beeper out of this story, <laughs> it it sounds like Wild West. Like it is a little bit. Yeah, it is. I mean, it it, it was the West. Like, oh no, Alex came back to town and Heidi's on the run. She is. She is. <laughs> Now the police are doubly onto Alex or onto Heidi and they want to take her down. They create a task force to get her. 
and they set Wait, up. Hold on. Yes. A full task force yes. for a, a woman it? who's yeah, going around with like a billboards up. Yeah. Yep. These are the cops, yep. Lisa. They got to create. Oh, I forgot. You're right. It does take yeah. 10 people to pull over one person. Mm-hmm. Or to shoot mm-hmm. to death one person. Uh, yeah. So. No, that they can do efficiently. Yeah. They just need one on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. two. So many. Have y'all watched the Mike Ramos video? Yes. Yes. Because that was like 10 cops. I think it was like seven. Anyways. How many cops does it take to to shoot one innocent person? Or even to like pull pull someone over in an apartment complex? Like where where the fuck you like what? How would you need more than one? Maybe two cops. Whatever. Okay. We'll talk about that at the end. But. We'll circle back. We're almost done here. So task force created. We're taking down the Hollywood madam. And on June 9th, 1993, Heidi has this friend who she's been friends with for a long time. Um, and she meets some guy at like a restaurant or something. And he's like, yeah, I'm in from out of town and I want to hook up. And the girl's like, oh, I actually have a friend who hooks up people. She takes her them or the guy, I think there might've been two of them to go meet Heidi. Heidi's like, cool. Yeah. You know, let me know your hotel room and I'll send my gals. And she sends three women over to this hotel room and then, you know, of obviously it's a sting. There's cameras in there. The money is exchanged, the rate, all the things that need to happen for them to officially say, yes, this is prostitution. And the cops come in and they're like, bam, bitch, and arrest all three girls. Obviously, Heidi isn't there. They take the girls in and the girls are, of course, like, ah, it wasn't us. It was Heidi. And so the next morning, they go and arrest Heidi in her front yard. They search her house. And, of course, there's, like, a bunch of drugs in there. And they arrest her for the drugs. And they arrest her for pandering. Which, in my head, like, pandering, I didn't realize that it directly related to prostitution. <laughs> like, if someone says, like, oh, you're just pandering. It yeah. has a less her. I don't want to, I don't know if severe is the right word connotation, but anyways, pandering is basically like setting up prostitution. Wait, that's like a, an illegal offense? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start letting people who pander fucking know that. Pandering. You're breaking the law right now. Yeah. yeah. Quit asking for attention, bitch. Yeah. Stop opening with jokes about the hometown. That's pandering. <laughs> Yeah. So (laughs) when she gets arrested, nobody, it's like a tiny little blip in the paper. And Heidi's like, nah, bitch, like everyone needs to know about this. And she brings a bunch of attention to herself and her arrest. And she goes viral because she can't make any more money. She launches her own clothing line to like fund her legal defense and she's selling robes and kind of loungewear stuff and in the clip i saw she was like oh and this one comes with a little condom pocket so you can put your condom in there because safe sex is very important right now and i was like of course you're selling clothes with condom pockets (laughs) 
So that's going on. And in November 1994, she her uh, state trial starts, and that's on the three counts of pandering and the drugs. And she gets convicted on that and gets sentenced to three years of state prison. But at the same time, there's a federal case against her for tax evasion, which also ends up, that's kind of the bigger one, and it lasts a lot longer. It's July 1995, and Charlie Sheen, that's the one that Charlie Sheen, her client, famously testified in and said he had spent over $50,000 alone just funding, you know, dates with girls. Wow. That's like Five jerk-offs between feet. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that. Wow. I bet he spent <laughs> a lot more than that. When all this was happening, obviously, everyone in Hollywood was like, who's in the little black book? Who's in the little black book? We got to know. And she really didn't rat anybody out. She ends up getting sentenced to three years of prison for that and doesn't serve much of it. In 1996, she's sentenced to seven years. She serves 20 months because she had had some like time served stuff. She serves 20 months in a federal correctional institution in Dublin, California. And then she gets released to a halfway house in 1998 and has some community service. But after that, that was basically it. There's um, a documentary out there. She did a, I think she has a book that she made. Um, There's like a made for TV movie type thing that she did. Oh, now that I want to see. Yeah. um, Where Heidi Fleiss is portrayed by actress Jamie Lynn Siegler. (gasps) Not Jamie Lynn Spears, but. No, I know. Siegler. Who's that? What is she in? Sopranos. Oh, Oh, the daughter. She's the daughter in The Sopranos. Meadow Soprano. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she also did a season of Dr. Drew, the one where- Celebrity Rehab. Yes. Sorry. Celebrity Rehab. I have a heart. Was she the one that was in there with uh, the guy from Crazy Town who's addicted? Okay. (laughs) Did he die? Uh, Probably. I might be wrong about that. Man, that show was fucking good. That was like in VH1's glory days. Sorry. Yeah, I miss the old VH1 reality TV. It was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. In the 2000s, she moved to Pahrump, Nevada, and she lives in her own bird sanctuary, what she calls it, with like a bunch of parrots now. Okay. But how much is she she charging people to jerk off on those parrots? It's true. It's true. It's near Death Valley. There are 25 lovely parrots. She beeps them. If they're not into it, you know, they don't get jacked off. I'm just kidding. It's a bird sanctuary. (laughs) She's doing something good, right? Right. But yeah, as of now, she's out in Nevada and living with a bunch of parrots. But She's in Nevada where prostitution is. She, yeah, did say legal. that legal. she was thinking she had plans to open a brothel in Pahrump, Nevada called Heidi Fleiss's Stud Farm. Ew. And she wanted to open a laundromat called Dirty Laundry. 
But I like that. <laughs> In 2009, she abandoned her plans to open the brothel because she didn't want to deal with all the nonsense in a sex business. What? There's nonsense in the sex business? Nonsense. Now I'm mad at her. (laughs) Sorry. Because, like, she could have made so much. Who would not go to Heidi Fleiss's fucking parrot farm that's actually. I mean. Fucking. It's like the Bunny Ranch or the, you know, even if we go back to Best Little Horror House in Texas for the Chicken Ranch, I think associated mm-hmm. it with an animal or even the Snake Farm in Texas. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is true because this says as of July 2018, she's managing this ranch and she that she owns. And there's an ultralight private use airport that you have to have permission to land in. So, she maybe she'll she's still doing it for sure. Maybe just based on private landing strip. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So that's the story of Heidi Fleiss, a woman lost to the nineties. It's just because she dealt with you know everyone was like of legal age. If not, I mean she would be really in the news right now. Just as far as like. Hey, right. What do you have on everything? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's got tons of dirt on tons of people, but the fact that she's never really given any of it up is, you know, impressive to me. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I'm just very proud of her. No, I was going to say like, you know, her little black book, no one kind of really got into that, but that fucking airplane log, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to see that. I will say, if you want to watch the E! True Hollywood story, Heidi Fleiss, colon, Madam Hollywood, it's free on YouTube. And it's pretty funny seeing a bunch of, like, 1990s-ish women. And they're all still really hot because they're, you know, her old, old sex workers. And everyone's real happy. No disgruntled employees, as far as I saw. So, yeah. It's a really good Glassdoor review. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, go watch it. Did you know that on the, um, sorry, on the airplane logs, uh, Clinton is in there as number 42, do not use. That's his name on the. Mm. I saw that on Reddit yesterday. So, Clinton. He's a rapist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He raped a woman. Not Monica Lewinsky. Well, did y'all learn anything? Anybody? Karina's sitting in the dark. It's scary. I know. The sun went down and I can't move. Ah, you're fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I truly did not know that there were that many president heads. <laughs> I didn't either. I mean... I've seen a lot of them. I've driven into the, his little lot and his little whatever. I had no idea that I knew that he had done all fifty. I did not know that he had done, or whatever. <laughs> I was like, huh? "Oh yeah, we know who the next six presidents are going to be thanks to him." Yeah, <laughs> he's predict. He does predictive sculpting where he doesn't even mm-hmm. open his eyes. He just sculpts the face of the next president, and mm-hmm. that's who it is. Isn't it the yeah. next five? Oh yeah, sorry. Oh, I got. I, I forgot about this one. You forgot really him. You know, it's he's more like a 
we took a break from having a president for four years to see how that would go. And you're looking at it. Mm. Did he for real today? Yes. He wants to extend or push he back. Can't. Okay. He's not allowed to. He has no Wait, control. Wait, what is he? That. What is he trying to do? He wanted to push back oh, on the election. Oh yeah. yeah, I saw that. Well, it has to pass in the House and the Senate, and the fucking Senate is never going to pass that. No. Well, and even then, it's the the Congress just sets the deadline. States set the voting date. Mm. Electoral College, baby. Fuck the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. I know, but this is the one time in which it makes everything hard for a dictator to to dick. You unilaterally dicked. Yeah. <laughs> Also, like, what does he think he's going to fix if he has another week or whatever? Man, if I just have one more week. He just doesn't want to go. Yeah. Well, I'd say he doesn't want to go home, but he doesn't spend any time at the White House. I don't know what his plan is. Um, he's got a little more grifting to do just to before con- he leaves. continue to be garbage. And he's already setting himself up for, like, the martyrdom of being like well the reason i didn't win is because of the virus and mail-in ballots Mm -hmm. and like all that shit and but that doesn't even fucking matter because if we can get him the hell out of office yes everybody go vote and you know if you do have to mail in you need to apply for that shit now Mm-hmm. And don't throw away your vote on a third party candidate. I know everybody would love for there to be a viable third party candidate, but it's just not going to happen. This is the first election since 1970 in which several states do not have a third party candidate on the ballot. Wait, states can choose that? You have to file in every state to run. So the states aren't choosing. I'm just saying even the third parties are staying the fuck out of this. It's like it should be yes or no on Trump. Yeah. Just There's several states where it's just Trump and Biden. Like, I can't. Well, it's just TBD Republican and TBD Democrat because, you know, we haven't technically p- picked those right. two candidates yet, but whatever. Biden's a bummer, but he's not even close. He's to a placeholder. He's a giant. Yeah, he's a giant twenty foot statue head that we can put in the years. And we'll vote we'll him figure out, out what we really want to do. Yeah, shouldn't exactly. he shouldn't he have a vice president by now? He's announcing it next week. Oh. Uh, and they I, I saw something about who it it's a woman, right? It's probably Kamala Harris. Oh. Uh yeah, the person who was running against him from California. I mean yep. that's that makes it better. Hell yeah, get Maya Rudolph back on SNL for four Woo! more years. Yeah, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph is what we really need. Yeah, it's very Biden to be like, I'm going to pick a black woman. Everybody gets excited and goes, I'm going to pick the one who likes cops. Uh, <laughs> All right. I mean, Could expand the reach, man. Could yeah, thanks for sapping our enthusiasm again. That's really helping. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, to our <laughs> upbeat, super happy end of the podcast. I wish I could tell you more about, like, happy, I almost said whores, but they're not whores. They're sex workers. Let's be nice. And those girls made a lot of money, and I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. And, Hell yeah. And if they were protected by the law. No, that's true. That'd be nice. Don't bring yeah. it back down, Lisa. Sorry. I'm so, I'm going to run for city council. And legalize prostitution in Travis County. That's my, that's my very first step here. <laughs> I'm running on this. 
I'm going to run for Whataburger. That's what I'm doing right now. Ooh. That's how you would win. If Whataburger backs you, then. Didn't work for fucking Beto. Yeah. (laughs) Beto. Beto. Oh, it's because he's a beta. I get it. Aww. He's a little. Yeah. He's got some cucky tendencies. <laughs>